Father, we bless you for your love and mercy and glory. We worship you, O King of glory, because of your love unto us. We worship you, Father, because you're one that keeps us straight and steady in our spiritual walk by our right hand, O King of glory. You shall keep us straight. You have promised to be with us and never to leave us nor forsake us in your word in Hebrew 13, 5, O God. So we pray that since we are faithful, God, you shall continue, my heavenly Savior, making us stand that we shall not fall this is your promise we pray that for every revival killer you shall surely give us a remedy and an antidote so that we shall stand for you and for your honor and glory so that men shall look at us and honor you who abides in heaven in jesus my name we have prayed amen amen a blessed and wonderful day my dear friend my name is a uh, david kagwa and um i'm back to continue with the teaching that we embarked on yesterday um actually it wasn't that we started it yesterday but i mean this is an extension of um uh, the, the teaching that we've been doing in these days and uh, it's about revival and today we are looking at revival killers in other words how do you deal with things that are going to destabilize your revival or a life of um you know um a fiery walk with the lord a healthy walk in the spirit with the lord basically that is what we are going to be looking at right now that is what we are going to be uh, looking at now recently i was uh, uh you know someone sent me a video of a python that had uh, kind of uh, you know that, that that had swallowed a human being full adult human being we, we always have heard of these stories, particularly from our childhood, but the one thing that you get to discover is that um, when you look at this kind of stuff, um, you, you, some, <laughs> some of it is going to sound mysterious, but uh, until you get to see certain things. Yeah, I'm not saying that um, we are not walking like people of faith, but I mean we are speaking of physical things here. What happened was that uh, two Chinese men, there was a crowd, but two Chinese men were invited and they, 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 they captured uh, a python. And um, I don't know what they did. I think they sedated it and um, uh, without having to beat it because then they would have harmed uh, the person inside. And they opened it up, uh, you know, bit by bit. And before long, you could see a whole formed adult human being unfortunately uh, they were dead but it is said that in its approach a python comes and kind of um, tightens itself around you coils around you and virtually it basically kills you by suffocation uh, there, there is a claim there is a theory and school of thought that what it does initially is it's going to um, kind of fix some sort of proboscis or you know some kind of strings into your nostril and then it it suffocates you by coiling strongly that it has very powerful um abdominal muscles that are going to call you uh, coil around you to death and friends i want to relate that to our spiritual work our spiritual life you're going to discover that there are certain things that come along and they coil around us and they suffocate life out of us if you're not careful about them so that is what we want to look at today what sort of spiritual pythons do we have? Can you identify those in your life, my dear friend? And if you do, um, ask the Lord to help you deal with, with them, just like we are going to teach today. I have about five things that we are going to look at today very fast. And the very first one is spiritual complacence. 
it is spiritual complacence that uh, we are going to uh, look at uh, first and foremost. And uh, the passage of scripture that I'm going to do initially is in Amos chapter 6 and verse 1. Amos chapter 6 and verse 1, my dear friend. It says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. You hear that? They are complacent. They are just at ease. And to those who feel secure in the mountain of Samaria, the distinguished men of the foremost of nations, to whom the house of Israel comes. Now, you may not get the context of this, but uh, the context of this passage is that um, Israel, th this book is addressed to Israel, and Israel at that time was wayward. They had fallen so far away from the Lord in idolatry, especially at the shrine that was at uh, Bethel, and uh, they were into a lot of injustice, stealing people's land and taking it, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, and all sorts of sin. Now, it took Amos to come from the south in Judah at the reckoning of the Lord to come and castigate these people and prophesy against them. You see, that simply shows you the spiritual shape and terrain of the northern kingdom or Samaria or Israel at such a time. Little wonder that it did not take long before they were whisked off into captivity. So this is what was happening. But basically, when you study this verse, Amos 6, 1, you get to discover that these guys had been complacent. In complacence, you simply go ahead and you're like, ah, nothing much is going to happen. It is okay. I'm not that bad love after all. That kind of thing, you see? And this is what we are calling spiritual complacence here. There are so many people that start well in their spiritual walk and journey, but they get to a point and they pack. They get to a point and they're like, mm -mm, and nothing much is going to happen uh, right now with us. No, 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 no. Nothing much. You see, there's no danger that is going to come to our lives. Uh, no, 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 not at all. That is what we are calling spiritual complacence. That is what we are calling spiritual complacence. There are people that started well in the spirit, but you get to a point and you simply pack. Many of you are working as managers, as executive directors, as, you know, departmental heads, as program coordinators, as, you know, or whatever you may be, your, your, your investors, your CEOs. But many of us don't have a spiritual work plan. True or false? You'll answer that question. We don't have a spiritual work plan. While at your office you have work plans in fact you you even have strategic plans and you hold your staff accountable you have performance targets and you get to a point and you evaluate in performance you get to a point and you are praising your staff and it is a, a against a baseline you see but in your spirit in your spiritual work you don't have a work plan you find people that do not know when they pray you find people that don't actually take spiritual stuff seriously this is what i'm calling spiritual complacence as long as you operate in this way you're simply not far away from spiritual demise you're just going to find yourself waning further and further away from the lord in the spirit you, you, you understand that, my dear friend? There are people who are like, I am sorted. I've been into this thing for way too long. There are people that are going to tell you, I got born again in the 60s, in the, in the 70s. Now, what can you guys tell us? You that have just gotten born again. You know, the things of the Spirit are not just about how long you have been saved. Even when, ideally, um, it should follow suit that if you've been with the Lord 
much longer. If you're doing the right thing, you should be much more mature in the spirit. But it is possible for someone that has just gotten born again to be in a much more better spiritual shape than you're doing just because of the way they are prioritizing things of the spirit. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 32, the Bible says, For the waywardness of the naive, and I know you're going to love that word mm-hmm. uh, for t- security reasons, I will not explain the details. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them. You hear that? They are naive. And the complacence of fools will destroy them. When something happened with some famous person in this country who was taking someone process by process, now I have a problem of uh, forgetfulness. It, 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 it is not the measure. not amnesia in any way but it is uh, you know i just forget now for you you remember who it was but for me i've actually forgotten i need help (laughs) there there was someone that you know took someone some other person uh, process by process uh, because of naivety You, you remember that i just want you to see that the things that happen in the physical first of all manifest in uh, they simply manifest in the physical but they are controlled in the spirit that girl said that she was taken process by process why because she was naive now look at what proverbs 132 says for the waywardness of the naive she was wayward why because of naivety the waywardness of the naive will kill them uh-huh. and the complacence of fools will destroy them you see that so complacence will end up you know destroying you you understand that my dear friend what is it that is pulling you away from the presence of the lord what is it that is making you complacent and you're parking in the spirit please ask the spirit of god to reveal that to you and deal with it there are people that used to pray but now they think they are too good to be instructed in prayer there are people that will never sit at anyone's feet because they tell you uh, they are way up there do you know that i have a spiritual father <laughs> yeah do you know that i have a spiritual father i really do and i have so many people that have mentored in the spirit but sometimes they minister to my life you know that yes i'm telling you these things of the spirit you need to be that humble you need to be that humble they are people have mentored in the spirit but there are times they are going to do a message and i'm like that is so much of a blessing you know why because i'm hearing from god it's not just them and I'm also hearing from them because God uses them as a vessel. You see that? So we have to be that humble in the spirit. But you find people who are complacent. You find a pastor and they're like they're above, you know, instruction. No one can be above instruction. Iron sharpens iron. There should be a time in your life when you're sitting and you're being fed by someone else. There should be a time of that nature. You see, this is why we need prayer partners. This is why we need, you know, partners. Um... In, in this journal of faith, you cannot go solo. You can't go solo. Actually, going solo also sounds like going solo. You see? Yeah. You can't go solo because when you go solo, you go solo. <laughs> I love that it is coming by the Spirit. I post it. I'll post it on my wall and I'll put it on my status very soon. Praise the Lord. So that is what it is. Avoid complacence, at least not in the Spirit. No one can ever know God too well as to not need Him anymore. You just can't. Secondly, um, one other revival killer is is um, failure to deal with temptation. It is failure to deal with temptation. Now, friends, you'll appreciate the fact that all of us, except none, all of us are tempted. In fact, let me sound this warning. If you're not tempted 
two of these things are true. One, you possibly have failed or fallen away from the track, right track in the spirit, or you 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 are simply dead, as simple as that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16 teaches that Jesus himself, as our high priest, was tempted, but he did not sin. If Jesus was tempted, then who are we to think that we went we won't get tempted? So the one thing that you need to learn is you've gotten to learn to deal with temptation. Because you know that when someone commits sin, they tend, and uh, I'm speaking of people that are going to do this as a character, like it defines your life. It gets to a point and uh, you are not of God, you're of the devil. According to First John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says that he who commits sin is of the devil. You see that? So when you tend to trend and move towards the uh, you know seeing more what actually that means is that um you're training more to sin you're training more to a kind of life that is what it means so in other words you, you need to guard against sin but sin doesn't start as sin sin starts as temptation but by biblical teaching temptation is not evil it is not sinful otherwise christ would have been sinful because he was tempted but you need to understand and appreciate this my dear friend when you're tempted you have not sinned yet but there are many people that blow it they lose it at that point they get to think that the moment you're tempted then you have already sinned no you can still flee and run away but there are often people that think that the moment they get tempted they're like ah i've already lost it and then they end up throwing in the towel instead of resiliently standing and uh, making it through and uh, that is the point we are making here my dear friend uh, you see so you've gotten to learn to deal with temptation um there's a passage here in second samuel chapter 12 in fact chapter 11 a very familiar one let me just do that quickly uh, a very familiar passage here it says verse 1 second samuel 11 and uh, then it happened in spring at the time when kings go out to battle that david sent joab and his servants with him and all israel and they destroyed the sons of ammon and besieged rabbah but david stayed at jerusalem you hear that it is the time when kings must be at war but he's staying in jerusalem listen to what followed now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof. Evening came and is arising from his bed. What does that mean? He's been sleeping all afternoon. The man is idle. <laughs> Certain ones are in scripture, not for no reason. I need you to look at that. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around at the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And uh, one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? David sent uh, messengers and uh, took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to the to her house. I need you to listen to this, my dear friend. A series of things are happening here. Um, you need to appreciate the fact that during this time of um um the the kings, the times of the kings, uh, the, the 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 more righteous and the more committed the king was unto the Lord, the more blessed they got. You see. And the, the, the more they, you know, 
veered away from the Lord and the work of holiness, the more they lost it as well. So it was a shame that of all people, this was David doing this. Why? Because earlier on, um, uh, in First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord speaks of him as a man that was after God's own heart. Now listen to this. What happened was that the Bible says that it happened in spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon. Question, this is a time when kings must be at war, at battle, you know, at war, leading their armies in war. Question, who was the king? Answer, David. Where was he? He stayed over in Jerusalem and he led his um, commander of the army, Joab, take charge of the army. Now, I want you to realize this. David is in the wrong place at the wrong time. You see that? He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is what the writer here seems to point to. You see that? He stayed over to Jerusalem. Second in Jerusalem. Secondly, he says, Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof. Clearly the man is idle. Because this is evening and you are rising out of bed. That means you've been what? Sleeping all afternoon or probably all day. The Bible doesn't stipulate it here. You know, when I was lost in pornography, I basically did that stuff. Why? Often I find that one of the major doors, I'm writing a book, but one of the major doors that we teach you that if you're going to deal with those kind of weaknesses in your life, you need to identify the doors or windows or taps that open up these weaknesses in your life. And one of the major doors in my life when I did porn was idleness. And look at David, it is not different. You see, he's idle, and as a result, he walks on top of the roof, you know, because, you know, among the Jews, especially during that time, they had flat roof houses, and they did lots of things up there, including washing, meditating, you know, simply watching, and this is what he was doing. Because when you have this perspective of Ugandan roofs, you're going to say, yeah, how did he do it? No, they had flat roofs. This is what was happening um, in David's life. So he goes right ahead. He sees, and seeing alone shouldn't have really been as much of a problem had he not followed up with an action. You see, he saw, and after seeing, he looked and after looking, he went deeper into seeing, analyzing, because the, the, the text says she was beautiful. That means David didn't just see, but he stared to get to see the form of the woman and to ascertain that she was beautiful. You, you understand that? I want to imagine she was, you know, bathing and has this uh, soap lather in her eyes. And, you know, so he had all the time to execute his dirty mission. And this is where the problem was. He went right ahead and he commissioned a royal envoy to go and run an errand for him, bring back the woman, bring the woman to him. And he had, you know, he got intimate with him and she got pregnant and you, all, all of us know that he tried to conceal it thereafter. You see? So the, the point here is the point. The man is in the wrong place at the wrong time and one thing leads to another and it happens i don't quite think that is what it is because that is what people often claim james 1 13 14 explains what was happening 
The Bible says there in James 1, 13, 14, that if any man is tempted, let him not say that God is tempting me. For God himself never tempts anyone, neither is he tempted by sin. But if a man is tempted, he's being drawn by his own evil desires. You see, that is within the fallen man, within us, fallen men. And he says when they're of age, they become pregnant and they produce what? Death. That is what it is, my dear friend. So, um, we've gotten to learn to deal with temptation. Why do we speak about this right now? After this incident, we know that this is when David penned Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. When you look at Psalm 32, David says, Blessed is the man whose sin has been covered. And he says, has been blotted out. And he says, when I concealed my sin, my bones started rotting within my inside. In Psalm 51, he says, don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the peace of your salvation. You hear that? That means David ran out of peace, ran out of fellowship with the Lord in one way or the other. And wasn't the peaceful man that he was meant to be. He wasn't the man that had written Psalm 23 at this particular point in the spirit. In other words, uh, when we don't learn to deal with temptation, very soon it will yield to sin. And that is going to affect our relationship with God. You see, so that affects your spiritual work. It affects your revival. We need to deal with this. Friend, try to identify what it is that what door is open in your life, what window is open in your life that could easily lead you into sin to affect your spiritual work with the Lord. It is critically important. And some of these sins are private sins. They are sacred sins. No one knows you're doing this stuff. I've been there before. In fact, I was there for years until the Lord delivered me. That kind of thing is very dangerous because it gives you false hope and confidence that no one is watching. But you know what? Luke 12, 4 teaches, in fact, from 2 to 4 teaches that the Lord knows everything. Hebrews 4, 12 of 13 teaches that there is nothing that is actually hidden from him because of the power of the word of God that divides, you know, <laughs> the flesh and marrows and, and, and your inner man in there. So get to deal with this and yield it before God. Put some boundaries and tell him, God, here I am. Help me. Like Daniel did in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 2 when he says that, he purposed in his heart not to, um, you know, um, pervert himself with the king's food and king's, uh, you know, wine. So that is very important. Deal with uh, temptation. Temptation is not evil like we know, but temptation can yield to sin. You've gotten to deal with this. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to simply flee, for example, from immorality. This is what David as a a man after God's own heart uh, should have done, but it is very good that he didn't actually stay in there. He was able to deal with this uh, later through repentance. Uh, three, <clears throat> getting used to sin. When we get used to sin, it really affects our revival and it affects our spiritual work. It really, really does. Uh, sin, in, uh, by essence, separates man with God. I believe that we know that very well. But in 1 John uh, chapter uh, 3 and um, verse 8, uh, the Bible teaches that uh, sin uh, makes you one of the devil. It says that for whoever commits sin is of the devil. In Greek, it does not speak of 
um, someone committing sin just once and putting right his life, it speaks of someone committing sin with a pattern. It is a pattern. It kind of defines your life. So in other words, you veer away from the Lord and you're really going deep there. I am not teaching that someone can lose their salvation. That is not quite what I'm saying here. But in one way or the other, if you already have the Lord, you cannot experience uh, the fellowship in the spirit and the peace that it, you, we are meant uh, to have in the spirit as it should be. But that particular verse addresses people that don't know the Lord. If you really, really are into incessant sin, uh, you cannot really be into the Lord. Now, uh, listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1 to 2, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 2 says, It is actually reported that there is immorality among you and immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles that someone has his father's wife. You've become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. You see that, my dear friend? So we need to understand this very, very well. These people in a spirit-filled church had a rare type of sin of someone messing, in fact, incest, someone messing with their stepmom. This is what they were doing. And that is not so much of the problem, but the problem is, if you study the context, is that they are condoning this. They don't find it a problem. And they are spirit-filled. This is where the problem is. Friend, when you get used to sin, it is going to affect you to the point that it will not be, um, you will not find it that dangerous and you will not find it that detestable in your life, at least not as it started. Usually when you get into sin, I'm a man that God delivered out of habits. When you get into sin, the first time it is that repulsive. You really hate it. It is obnoxious. You don't want to stay in there. But if you find your way into that trap a second time, it is not as obnoxious as it was in the beginning. Third time, it is not as repulsive as it was like that. So eventually, before you know it, you are neutralizing your conscience. You see, you can't neutralize the spirit of God. If you're born again, you can grieve him though. You see that? You can grieve the spirit of God. And that does not go down very well with the Lord. Now listen to this. In, in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible speaks of a conscience. He says that, but if um, um, the, the heathen or the Gentiles that do not have uh, the law do by their instinct the things of the law, then they depict the work of the law written on their hearts. In other words, you have a conscience and it takes you an effort to silence it. And you can successfully do that. You can actually do that, but that does not mean that it will go. The truth remains. And if you're born again, you have both a conscience and the Holy Spirit. If you're not born again, biblically speaking, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That is settled. And that is what the Bible teaches in Romans 8, 14, 15. It says those who are led of the Spirit of God are the children of God. But you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And we see men like Saul losing the Holy Spirit. Of course, those were at the pre-church days. 
um they were the pre-church days but in our day if you're really born again you can grieve the holy spirit and that means he won't do the ministry he's meant to do in your life and you cannot be fully revived and you can't experience uh, your walk in the spirit as it should be friends we need to get back to the lord you need to cry out unto the lord what is it that you're getting uh, you know uh, used to what sort of sin are you getting used to there are sins that we call little Yes, I want to agree when the Bible speaks of judgment, it says to whom much is given, much will be required, which means, yes, there are levels in this, in our sinfulness, but there are things that we start with and they are small, so we believe, and they are going to graduate or they will lead you to something much more bigger. We need to cry out before God uh, that he will help us as uh, such that we break out of this kind of thing. Um, our fourth failure to deal with guilt failure to deal with guilt friends there is nothing uh, there are not many things that are as dangerous as um the guilt that we get out of sin that we've committed and not embracing the fact that the lord himself once he forgives and he sets you free you're free indeed there are not so many people that know this even in christian circles in fact they are not as many as they should be there are many of us that continue working out our salvation and wanting to please God by the works of, you know, by our works, <laughs> by our works, and we want God to love us deeper. And therefore, you find that kind of person, if they end up sinning, what are they going to do? They're going to cry so much, they're going to repent all the time with an intention of making God have pity upon them. And I want to assure you, it doesn't work like that in the spirit. It works on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ and what Christ has done. That is more of religion. In faith, God comes to us and he does things. And he expects us to respond through obedience and faith. But in religion, you work out your way to God. And that is not quite how it should be. I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3. Uh, this is the story of, um, you know, the uh, suicide of um, Judas Iscariot. And it says, then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, who? Jesus. He felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us see to that yourself and he threw the pieces of silver into the temple as sanctuary and departed and he went away and hanged himself terrible take it from me because i take it from scripture had judas iscariot repented and genuinely so because the verb form in greek of remorse does not show real remorse but it shows regret he simply regretted you see but if, if he had repented in the two sense of repentance this man would have been forgiven and this man christ surely, surely should have restored him that is the point there are so many believers that at times struggle with sin because the truth is um even when we are saints we are saints by faith and we are saints by justification and um sanctification 
uh, those are terms that I won't explain right now. We are saints by being declared saints by God, and we are saints by being continuously cleansed by the Lord. But we are not saints by default. We are not saint, saints by the fact that we no longer commit any sin whatsoever. And this is why uh, people that get discouraged because some of us believers at times may miss the mark, um, uh, this is why they are not right. It is true that we may miss the mark, but it is not true that we are sinners, ideally. <laughs> uh, now, that is theological. I won't go into the depth of that right now. But I want you to listen to this. When you commit a sin and you continue beating yourself down, cutting that burden upon yourself, castigating yourself, trying to purify yourself on your own, this is missing the mark. The result is going to be a heaviness that is uncalled for, and you'll end up you know, not experiencing the right fellowship that you're meant to have with God and not having joy. Sometimes people like that actually end up doing what Judas Iscariot has just done here, committing suicide. And this shouldn't be. Friend, what is it that you're undergoing? And there's a category of believers, like I've told before, that have come to Christ and they still struggle with the same guilt that they had before they came to Christ. They look at the abortions that they committed. They look at the theft. They look at, you know, uh, the, the witchcraft. They look at every waywardness that they had, and they still bring it before God, and they keep repenting. The verse that delivered my life when I did pornography and masturbation was and is Hebrews 8, 12, that says, in those days, I will forgive their sinfulness and iniquities, and I'll remember them no more. When God forgives you, he does not remember your sin. In Romans 8, 1, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation upon those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of faith was able to fulfill what the law of the, what the, law of the flesh could not. You see that? Friend, be well, be happy. This is what the Lord has done, and we should celebrate him. We should ideally celebrate him. From today, arise, jubilate before the Lord, knowing that the Lord forgave you the first time you repented. You have no need to continue repenting in that uh, direction. Finally, today, finally, it is spiritual fatness. Spiritual fatness or spiritual fat, <laughs> you know, there are people that simply get too fat in the spirit and they feel like they no longer need the Lord. Friends, you never outgrow God, not at all. You never, no matter how spiritually um, superior you believe you may be, no matter how anointed you may be, like some of us pastors want to, you know, um, deceitfully treat ourselves. You want to believe that you are above each and every single person uh, because we are a pastor. And I'm a pastor as I speak right now. Do not think that I'm down looking pastors. You see? But we need to remain humble and focus on the Lord. Let me just do this and wind up. In Deuteronomy 32, 15, the Bible says, But Jeshurun, which is a synonym for Israel, grew fat and kicked. You are grown fat, thick, sleek. Then he forsook God who made him, and he scorned the rock of his salvation. <laughs> the image I see is one of an overgrown and fattened cow that can hardly move. You see, the other goes, you know, uh, moving by the ground. It can hardly move. You see, there are people in the perspective of Psalm 73, they are sinners that get to grow so big and they are um, morphologically changed and they are physically changed. You see, the, 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 the point here is, Jeshurun, I told you, is a synonym for Israel. They had 
come out of the land of captivity in Egypt and they had gone through the 40 years of the desert and they had experienced you know all those challenges but the Lord had brought them forth into the promised land by faith but when they got there they forgot about the Lord and yet this was a warning it was a warning in in, in Deuteronomy 8 14 to 18 he warned them when you get into that land and you have land um you know houses that you did not build you have vineyards that you did not plant do not forget the lord your god do not say that these hands of ours gave us the ability to make this wealth don't it was a warning that god gave to moses to give unto them but when they got there they forgot about god they took on the ways of the people of the land they forgot about their lord and in other words they were resting they missed peace they are people that used to love the lord so deeply in their lives but now after they came to the promised land of some sorts in their spiritual walk, they forgot about God. We forget about fasting. We forget about praying. We forget about humility because now we have the money. We have what it takes. We speak, speak in the wrong way. We start speaking the wrong way and all these sort of things. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord touch you as he touches me and transforms me. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, draw me back unto himself, um, draw you back unto to himself in areas where we could have faltered. Revive us, Lord, we pray, and help us to deal with those these revival killers and all these spiritual uh, life killers. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we prayed. Amen. May the Lord bless you. God bless you.